I miss Wash. I miss Wash so much. The Reavers didn't though, did they? Ooh, sorry. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Also, spoilers. Spoilers. Too soon. I mean, you know, give it another decade. How does a Reaver keep his spear clean? She runs it through the wash. Oh! <laughs> oh, that is just... Oh, that is horrible! <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the internet. Blame the internet. Lovely listeners, I must beg your indulgence with my lovely wife, who has somewhat of a evil streak at the moment. What do you mean at the moment? Alright, evil streak permanently. You married me. I did. (laughs) Primarily for the evil streak. My evil streak are about ready. Oh yeah. We Ooh. gotta give them. I forgot what? to switch the virtual campfire on. Did you? Hang on a minute. Okay. There you go. It's pretty good. Thank you. It's pretty good. So let's kind of crack on, shall we? Okay. Okay. You ready now? Ready now. Okay. Are you sure? Uh, more or less. I'll I'll be by the time I'm halfway down this cup of coffee, <laughs> I'll be sure or not. Yes, that's what worries me. See, feeding you coffee is, is, is strange at the best of times. It's essential for the job. It's like, you couldn't do this with the phone switched off. You couldn't do this with me without coffee. Okay. Let's go. Let's go! Hello, listeners. <coughs> We're broken this week. We are a little bit coffee spluttery this broken. week. Broken. But We're Shattered. trying... Nay, We're trying destroyed... Not to be... Yeah, we're trying not to be too broken because we've got a Frithcast to do. We have. We have. So, lovely listeners, before we go any further, we'd like to give you some introductions. 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 Please, go ahead. Who are you? I thank you. I'm Suzanne Martin. Thank you. Uh, I am Kate Martin. I am married to you. Hurrah! Uh, That is Suzanne, not you, listener. Um, Unless it's you, Suzanne, listening to this, in which case. Yeah, anyway. And I'm a druid who happens to live here. Don't confuse them. Confuse lovely, me, never mind them. Lovely listeners sat around the virtual campfire. Don't confuse them. They've got much. they've got brains. They'll be all right. Yeah? It's me I'm worried about. Yeah, me too. Well, I share part of my brain and then we'll be okay. 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 Last episode, we looked at the wonders of cyclical time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Broke my brain <laughs> for a whole episode. So we'd like to look this episode at the Ragnarok. Now this we, is, oh. we've mentioned in passing before mm-hmm. and a, as an event that if you look at time as cyclical has happened will happen is happening is going to happen will send you a yule card when it gets there Indeed. happening because all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again Ooh. That line gives me shivers. Oh, doesn't time. it just? Oh, I love it. I ought to throw in a so say we all, but I think we did that last time. Didn't I we? think we did too. 
We'll give them at least, you know, one episode between jokes that okay. are the same and we'll get back to it, don't worry. References, yes. Mm. Indeed. So, the Ragnarok. Tell me about the Ragnarok. Yeah. Bearing in mind, be... I'm quite fragile. <clears throat> okay. This is an event, and it might be one you lovely listeners are quite familiar with. You might have heard of it before, but if not, we're going to take it right back to the basics. This is an event which happens in the mid-cycle. So that great big set of stories that chronicles from the creation of the worlds. In the beginning there was fire, and in the beginning there was ice. All the way through the rise of the gods, the building of the walls of Asgard, the gods doing their thing for quite a while, and it kind of finishes the curve by telling you about the Ragnarok. What I know is the end of days, what some people might know as the twilight. It's the war, the war at the end of days, the end days, the, the, the part of the mist cycle where everything isn't, isn't being built and constructed and evolving, it's devolving and going back into nothing. Okay. So this is, it's heralded by dreams, mm-hmm. it's heralded by um, what people in the mid-cycle describe as ill omens. Okay. One of the big hints of that are the prophecies that concern the death of Baldur. The Shining One. The Shining One. He is described as the fairest of all the gods, mm-hmm. the most noble, the Shining God. Mm-hmm. And the prophecies about his death and the way that the Aesir and Vanir try and slow down or stop those events end up being sort of tangled into it leading to the Ragnarok anyway. Okay, this will be an example then of I think we I think we did we, did we touch last time on the Galadriel's mirror. We did. Thing. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> those who those who turn aside from their paths to prevent something end up causing it. Yes. So it's a very very classic example of the gods try and prevent something from happening and in preventing it it happens. Mm or in trying to prevent it, it they, happens they anyway. It. They cause it. There are other foreshadows to the Ragnarok happening. And there are very clear indications written in the myth cycle. And again, we discussed it last time about, is this because they're being given very clear prophecy or is this because they know because it's already happened? Yeah. And they're just remembering what it was and is there actually a difference between the two and I'm going to stop there before my brain breaks <laughs> because if I've got a broken brain I can't do the rest of the episode so let's not break my brain this okay. time around okay so there is a list in the myth cycle that when the Ragnarok comes the men of Midgard which is men with a capital M so it's everybody rather yep, than yep. just half of the people will break the bonds of kinship right and we know that the bonds of kinship are they're the thing that holds society together mm. especially in midgard they're the agreements that we have between us yeah so you can sort of ascertain from that that it's not only oaths that are going but it's all the bonds of kinship mm. that are going that brother is going to go against brother when before they were absolutely bonded together as family yeah it's not without parallel in the myth cycle you can see the gods not so much breaking their oath, but bending it into a pretzel kind of shape (laughs) in the walls of Asgard when 
they cheat the builder from his prize by telling him he hadn't actually finished the job, but the way that they did that was circumspect, let's put it that way. It was, just on that point, it was, uh, having had some involvement with, let's say, uh, in comparison to Fay contracts. Yes. To look at that scenario from the perspective of Fay contracts, they did it the way I would have expected that contract to work out. Yes. They, it's not so much about loopholes, it's uh, because a loophole, a contract with a loophole and it's a contract that's void. Mm-hmm. Even the Fae will acknowledge that. But what they will do is they will interpret it in such a way that, you know, or they will be saying, I mean, they, they were literally so precise about it. You haven't finished. That stone <laughs> isn't in place. Yes. And therefore so you haven't finished the job. Absolutely precise. Mm. So yeah. I think whether you say cheated him. All right. Alternatively paid him. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He was, technically, he did receive something for all of his effort and work, but it wasn't the payment he intended. No. no. We all near at speed. Yeah, not generally anybody. I don't know <laughs> payment as they intend it. There's a description in the myth cycle of three winters passing without any summers in between them. Now, if you imagine you're coming from Northern Europe, your summer and growing season is very, very short. Yes, yeah. If you have three winters with no growing seasons in between them, that is really not a good thing. You're narnered. You are, as you put it, narnered. Now, you see, to somebody from Britain, Mm. I have to say that that constitutes like most of our years. Not (laughs) only summer. (laughs) Because we, we basically have winter and the rainy season. Yes. And sometimes we have winter and a very cold rainy season. Yes. And then we'll usually have like a nice weekend in August. Yes, and occasionally you'll get a rainy season. You'll get the rainy season when the tennis is on. Of course, yes. Yeah. Strawberries and rain. Strawberries and rain. That's basically Wimbledon, yeah. This happens, yes. But this is a very distinctive description of three winters passing with no summer. Okay. This is the Fimble winter, the long winter. You'll have to excuse me, I'm being a bit spring-caught about this. because I know. <laughs> Bless you. It's very much... It's got markers yeah. to what will happen. Signs and portents. Lots of signs and portents. So by this point, the gods, having seen the portents and prophecies, have bound Loki. Okay. And they've tied him to a rock. And they've tried to keep him there because they know that he will play a key part in the attack in the Ragnarok, the war. Mm. So they're trying to bind him to keep him out of the way. In other words, I mean, in the literal sense, they're trying to control chaos. They're trying to take out the chaotic elements. And you can't. That's the whole point. The more you try and control it, the more it will reflect back on you and the harder it will. You know, the tighter the box you try and fit the spring into the harder it will come out. The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more systems will slip through through your your fingers. fingers. (sighs) Woman's place is in the resistance. (laughs) Steady on, politics. Ah, I know, but she was just (laughs) awesome. She was just like everybody's space mom. It's, yeah. (sighs) And now she's still everybody's space mom. Definitely. Yeah, okay. So you've also got, as well as Loki being bound 
at the start of the Ragnarok, you've also got his wolf son also being bound, one of his children, mm. by a, a Jotun Angraboda, or Angrabotha, okay. depending on the spelling. And his wolf child is Fenris, and they try, the gods are afraid of how big and strong Fenris is getting. Mm. And they realize that he's mentioned in the prophecies of the Ragnarok. And so they decide they're going to try and bind him as well. Okay. There is a whole story about the binding of Fenris, but needless to say, he ends up being bound. I'm going to just pick up there because I was going <coughs> to ask you and then you said it. Yeah. Um, Fenrir, Fenris. I've heard him referred to as both. These are yes. Yeah. Um, again, depending. Okay. Fenrir or Fenris, you'll see it written either way. Mm. But it means the wolf son of Loki. Loki's wolf son. Mm. One of the big portents to the Ragnarok is both Fenris breaks free of the fetters and so does Loki. And they both join the assault on Asgard. Now, it, the Ragnarok might be something that you're, you know, you're familiar with reading. You may have read about it before. Mm. But if you just take a moment to imagine what that news must have been like the very first time the gods heard it in prophecy. Mm. That some point in the future, heralded by events and portents, there was going to be a war that would destroy everything that they'd built and destroy the links between the nine worlds, destroy the bonds between kinsmen, destroy some of the, the most powerful gods were reading about their own doom and had that knowledge. Mm. I can't imagine what that must have been like to hear about that. But then again, if you've got cyclical time, are you ever hearing it for the first time? Are you reacting to it the same way each time? Yeah. Are you because knowing what will come and knowing that you cannot avoid it? If, you're, if your time is truly cyclical, then whether or not you can be said to retain memory over the course of the reset point, I'm, I'm going to assume, I'm going to think of Ragnarok as the reset point. Mm. You know, you end up with the... The, the, the scenario of every time you hear it is the first time. Yeah. So I can't imagine what that is like to read your name in prophecy and know who is going to kill you. Because that's some that's some big knowledge right there. It's the specificity. <clears throat> specificity. That's, specificity. That's a whole double espresso of sitting on your own quietly right there. That's that's a big thing. The next thing that happens is that Heimdall the Watcher sees a vast army of giants of Jotun with Loki and Fenris, Fenrir in, mm. heading for Asgard across the plains. So Heimdall sounds the horn, his horn. The Galahorn. The Galahorn, to warn the gods what is happening and what he can see. There comes then the joining of the forces in the battle. The sun is swallowed and they fight in the darkness. Lord Soot, I'd like to come back to him in the next episode okay. and talk about him a little bit more. He leads the sons of Muspelheim and he carries a flaming sword and he leads the armies into that battle. Mm. The prophecies then say that Thor and the World Serpent will deal each other a fatal blow. Jormungand. The Jormungand the world serpent, the one that encircles the Midgard. Mm. 
they will deal each other the fatal blow. Thor will kill the World Serpent, but the World Serpent's venom will get into Thor's body and he will take no more than nine steps before he dies. Very, very precise. Mm -hmm. Lord Surt, he of the Flaming Sword, will go up against Frey. Heimdall, the Watcher, will go up against Loki and they will kill each other. Odin, the Allfather himself, and Tyr will both fall to Fenris. Both of them will be swallowed by the giant wolf. And Vidar will slay Fenris in revenge. Mm. And after this, Lord Surt commands fire. He burns everything. The lands sink back into the seas. And from there, you're almost back to the nothing. From there, Baldur returns from the land of the dead. Okay. And a new land grows lush and green again, and the gods return to their merrymaking. And from there, the worlds begin again. Okay. So, yeah. It's a well. bit deep. It's covered in the poetic edda. It's yeah. also covered in Snorri Stilson's, which is the most awesome name ever, especially if you have a lisp. The prose edda. Okay. So you get to read of it in both. All and right. they're both fairly similar accounts. Mm -hmm. The Voluspa, which is a, a seeress reciting information to Odin Allfather. Okay. If you look at stanzas 40 to 58 of the Voluspa, they talk about the Ragnarok and what happens in very specific detail. Mm. It sates itself on the lifeblood of fated men. Paints red the power's homes with crimson gore. Black becomes the sun's beams in the summers that follow. Weathers all treacherous. Do you still seek to know? And what? Yeah. The other place that you find a little bit of information about this is the Gilfanning, which is one of the sagas. And if you look at chapters 26, 34, 51 to 53 you'll find other little bits of information about the Ragnarok. Now, just to finish off, there are a few places where there is imagery connected with the Ragnarok in archaeological deposits in, in evidence. Mm. And we've got two stones and the remains of two stone crosses that show images from the Ragnarok. On crosses? Yeah, so okay. you've got Thorwald's cross on the Isle of Man, Yeah. and that shows a man being eaten by a wolf underneath the man with his jaws open and it's been interpreted as Odin being eaten by Fenris okay. at the Ragnarok. The Gosforth cross, which is up in Cumbria, has a, a mailed figure fighting a wolf and that's been interpreted as Vidar getting revenge on the Allfather and Tyr being eaten by Fenris and fighting okay. Fenris. So Cumbria is uh, northwest England, just south of the Scottish border. Yes, yeah. And the Isle of Man mm -hmm. is kind of a full stop between. <laughs> it's it's north in the Irish Sea. Coast. Yeah, it's in the yeah. Irish Sea. So it's between the west coast of Britain and Wales yeah. and the east coast of Ireland. And interestingly, um, the Isle of Man is not part of the UK. No. Although it's a... It graciously decides to be. Is it a... 
I forget exactly its exact constitutional status. It's, is it a dependency or? A, yeah, I think. But it's. Uh, I think it, it is. It has an independent government, though. It doesn't have. Awesome. It has an independent government, yeah. and it and it doesn't have. It has Elizabeth Windsor as head of state. Yes. But she's not the queen. No, she has to. She's had to go there and ask, hasn't she? She is the Lord of Man. Yeah. Which is a bit awesome, Which really. Which is quite groovy. I'm, I'm all good with this. Yeah. So there are two images of the Ragnarok, and there are also two images on two stones, both from Sweden. So you'll have to excuse my pronunciation, but the Ledberg stone also shows Odin being devoured by Fenris at the Ragnarok. Okay. And the Skarpaka stone has a piece, it's a memorial stone set up by a father commemorating his son. And he's describing his grief, the grief that he feels in the same quoted, almost a quoted line of how the Ragnarok is described. So he's describing the fact that his world has been destroyed and he's alluding to the Ragnarok happening, the end of days. Because, because that says, was this his is, twilight. This is my end of days, my son is dead. Mm. And this is how I feel. And how I feel is that my own personal Ragnarok has happened. Ow. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly powerful that mm. he's using that as a way to say, you want to know how I feel? This is how I feel. Because people will know what that will know what that, is and, yeah, yeah. And, and what that actually means. So we've had a zoom around the Ragnarok. Before we <clears throat> before we finish, yeah. I mean obviously we're sitting here in twenty eighteen. Yes. Contemplating this tale of bold warriors and swords and yes. all this kind of thing. Now this probably keys back into the cyclical time thing. If we assume that we're on some kind of wheel. Yes. Then presumably a Ragnarok exists in the future. Yes, and in the past. Which is a worrying thought. And now. So, I guess something that, uh, I mean, it may, be, it may be a matter of open for debate, it may be, uh, you know, it may be a matter of interpretation, but when it rolls round, assuming that it does, assuming that it's something in the future, whether it's happened in the past before or not, yeah. are we looking at something that will be, that will appear to us as a battle, i.e., not necessarily clanging swords and things, mm. but are we looking at something that would happen over the course of minutes, hours, or are we looking at something that might be happening over a long, long time? I mean, because I'm thinking that you said that some of the first things that we'll see are, uh, you know, breaking the bonds of kinship. Yes. Now, obviously we don't generally do politics on this on this no, show. we don't. However. But there are some things that are politic. Anyway. There, there are some things that are that are politic, and in in the current state of the world, certainly the the what I'll call arguably the Western world, mm. there are there have been things happened recently that have set people one against another to an extent that a lot of us won't have seen before. Yes, and it might be tempting to get into the habit of thinking, well, is this it? You know, is this the first waves on the on the shore? You know, before it all before it all kicks off. On the other hand, then I'm, I'm, I sort of, I sort of think to myself, well, but we've seen worse things than this before. Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you've only got to go back as far as the forties, back to the the first, the first world war. Prior to that, you've got conflict all over the world, and on average, the world is getting more and more peaceful. Yes. As it stands at the moment. So, what would a Ragnarok now look like? Exactly. It's a good question to contemplate, lovely listeners, because the worst thing that the writers of the sagas and the Eddas could think of 
was that. Mm. So what would it look like now a thousand years later? I couldn't tell you. Mm. I'm also very aware of things like self-care. Of course. And keeping mental health. Mm. And even the Havamal says, don't dwell too long on things that you can't change. Good advice. You know, a man should only be getting up in the night and being awake to go to the loo and then go back to sleep. <laughs> because otherwise he's awake, he's had no sleep, and his troubles remain exactly the same as they did before. So they're very practical, they're very pragmatic. And yes. I, for me, I think as long as there are bonds of kinship in the world, then all of them aren't broken. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. And it's... I think this is a massive event yeah. that happened to such an extent that they described to us that the worlds collapsed, they yeah. fell apart, and that was the worst thing that they could think of. Yeah. For me, I can think of some amazing things in the world now that help go against this, yeah. that help stave it off, that help prevent it, that help people to shine. And that is what I would rather focus on, I think, for me. And of course, we also have the possibility that the cycle has already broken. Yes. Or that there was no cycle in the first instance. I mean, so we're we in spiral time rather than cyc true cyclical exactly. time. So it might well be that it has already happened. Yeah. And that we're living in the world that was Came built after. after it. Yeah, these are fairly deep questions, lovely listeners. So if you're going to start pondering this stuff, take a piece of cake with you. Oh, yeah. Or take whatever your treat equivalent is mm. and don't ponder it too long. For them Just take it in small doses, in small bites, and yeah. think it through for yourselves. Yeah. It's part of what this podcast is for, is to just help you think about things a little bit, but not too much. It's, it, it's also <clears throat> worth bearing in mind, I think, that you know we're looking back at a... I say, I say back, you know, but... The, the, the source of these this mythology is we're looking back into a culture that is quite different from our yes. culture today that were very much more fatalistic that were very much more sort of you know what will be will be An absolute and, yeah. yeah and for them and, and the, the the major point that I think is is, is applicable is that with a lot as with any of the old ancient cultures the old mm. old two ancient cultures they were much more in in connect, they were much more connected with the natural world than we are. So, for them, a cycle of life and death is perfectly normal. It's an absolute natural thing, yeah. just <clears throat> part of life. And mm. arguably, we probably—I I know I certainly do consider it. You know, as a as a druid, I shouldn't, but I do get a little bit more because I'm because I'm insulated from it as much as I try to maintain my awareness of the natural world and so on. Yeah unavoidably insulated from these things so stories like this are like, yes so um, and quite naturally so <clears throat> it's things that we don't encounter on a daily basis <clears throat> the other thing that you maybe have to keep in mind is that the prose edda and the poetic edda are both written around the 13th century yeah and that is quite some substantial time after the end of what i would consider the viking age yeah so they're writing these things down a couple of hundred years after the events have happened. So if I ask you lovely listeners to write about events that are a couple of hundred years old, the chances are they're going to get a wee bit distorted on the way. This is very true. And depending on your perspective as a writer, Snorri Stilson, who writes the prose edda, is Christian. Okay. 
So it adds another layer of considerations into the things that he's writing. Yeah, that there might be some, unwittingly or not, there might be some distortion there that's, yeah. that's been introduced by his own, what's the word, eschatology? Yeah, perspective, yeah. his own values, his own experiences. Whether he's aware of it or not will be colouring how and what he writes. Yeah. And he will be, because he will have had an education steeped in mm. Christian mythology of Armageddon and the final yes. battle of good yeah. and evil and so forth. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's, he's imposing that on yeah. the old stories, but you know, it is interesting to consider the possibility yes. that yeah. he might have, as I say, and he might have written, written, it, down, written it all down as, as faithfully as he could, but just because of the way he understood things, might yeah. have... It may have caused some very, very subtle changes. Mm. So, lovely listeners, we would like to leave you pondering on that note. Mm. Mm. It might be a lot of pondering. Big to topic. Yeah. So, you know, give your brains a bit of a break every now and again and just, you know, have a think about it for yourselves. Yeah. So, we're going to leave it there for today. We are. I've been Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And if you want to find me, for whatever reason that might be, you can find me probably easiest at my website, glassrain.net, which I really will update one day. Um, <laughs> You've been updating it. But mostly it's useful because it just links to my social media accounts. Yeah. So lovely listeners, we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.